Are you done thinking and talking about getting into real estate investing and finally ready to do it? If so, Rochelle Rayner and her guests are going to share everything you want to know about getting started on your journey to financial freedom using real estate investing. They'll share how they got started, their best and worst experiences, and the tips and advice beginners need to succeed. Now, let's get into today's episode of What's the Deal? Good afternoon, Lewis. It's so good to have you on the show. Hey, Rochelle. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Luis Fernandez is here in New York in the Westchester market. Um, you know, he also does investing in uh, Long Island, other parts of of the uh, the New York area, New York metro area. And he has a fascinating story. He's uh, he's really on fire in this market and you know, really doing a lot of cool things. And so I'm really happy to, you know, get you on here and and ask you some questions. Thank you so much. Yeah, so um, tell us about how you got started in real estate. What what drew you to real estate? So, um, you know, my first step in real estate was becoming an agent. I, I was an agent for a little over 10 years. And, you know, I really uh, paid my dues. You know, I worked hard. Uh, to be honest, I never thought I would uh, become a, a, a flipper. I, I always wanted to become an investor like most of us, right? But in my journey of... Uh, of hammering in the process and just getting better uh, on a daily basis on my activities, you know, I found a lot of uh, opportunities, I, I, you know, like, and my vision opened up, right? So, you know, you know, you know my story. I came to the U.S. when I was 17, undocumented, and then I worked for a corporate company till I was 30. I got into a real estate game at 30, and I really, really wanted to, to be the best version of me, right? And um, at that point, you know, I sold... Last year in my real estate career, I sold uh, 78 houses in eight months. I was a target to sell over 100, which is a big accomplishment here here in the local Westchester area. And um, you know, I got uh, I got out of the business because I got sick and I had to think things all over again. Thank God I had paid my dues. You know, I always tell people, you pay your dues now or you pay them later, right? So I was doing 14, 15, 16 hour days, just hammering uh, real estate, learning values, learning from investors, uh, learning whatever they wanted to show me. Maybe sometimes it was the wrong way so that, you know, like I wouldn't be their competition. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I, you know, I had a little more clarity when, you know, when I took some time off and and, and decided to enter the game, right? So um, I just want to backtrack a little bit there. So you got into uh, becoming an agent. You got into real estate by becoming a, a real estate agent. And how how was that process? How did you get involved in becoming? An you know, I, I you know I I saw somebody that sold me a house, and I I thought they were making a lot of money because they had a little million dollar pin on their uh, on the jacket, and you know I I said this you know the lady didn't really know what she was doing, uh, because back then uh, real estate was for you know part timers. It wasn't really a full fledged career. And then I saw the opportunity. You know, I saw that a lot. There was a lot of part timers. There were a lot of retirees, nothing wrong with part-timers or retirees, but, you know, when you focus on something and you do it and, and, and you focus and you do it more than anybody else and, and, and you uh, want to learn and you want to develop and you want to make it a career, um, all, the th- all, all of a sudden things start working for you. You know, it's not how hard you work. It's how, 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 how much time you put on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you start becoming better and better and see, start seeing things that others 
did it. So, you know, I started as a solo agent for a company. And by the time I retired uh, from real estate, I was running one of the biggest real estate teams in, in Westchester County. We were all learning base. We we're all, you know, like feeding our minds and, you know, um, and getting better all, every day, you know, to, to become better agents and serve better people, you know? Yeah. You mentioned a phrase and I just want to go back to it and, and get clarification, sure. but you said, you said a couple of times you paid your dues. You know, I know that's a very uh, New York term. You know, I hear a lot of New Yorkers talk like that, but we have a, a, a very wide, wide range. Can you just kind of talk about what exactly pay your dues means to you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's funny that, um, you know, I lived in South America and, and in Peru and I came to the U.S. at 17. All I knew, because perhaps because of our demographics and economy in a third world country, we all knew we had to work really hard to just get the basic necessities, right? Um, and when I came to the U.S. as a young teenager, I guess, um, I, I started realizing that people want the magic pill, right? So people want to buy whatever works, uh, whatever's a shortcut to success without paying Mm. and learning, paying the time and learning, actually, uh, you know, you can't be a master of a craft if you don't do the activities and you do the mm -hmm. activities more than anybody else does, right? So uh, maybe coming from a third world country kind of showed me that I needed to do something repetitively uh, to become very good at it and just wait, you know, like I always say, we have a disproportionate uh, relationship time and we want everything now, but I knew that I had to spend 10 plus years of learning the business, every facet of the business from buyers to sellers, to investors, to just the process, to short sales, to foreclosures. Um, so I could really master the art of sale of real estate and have that those transferable skills just go into the investment world, right? Like without, I see a lot of people like dabble into real estate, do it part-time, invest part-time, which is, there's nothing wrong. I just didn't want to have any variables that it would impede my success. Therefore, I gave it my all. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Thank you for that. No so problem. So you became uh, an agent and then you uh, retired from being an agent. And at that point, you got into real estate investing, I'm assuming? Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you why, because I needed to be, I saved a lot of money, I, a lot, a lot of money, right? Um, and, you know, while I was working and I saved it because I needed to make sure that when, you know, I made my transition to an investor. I had as much money as I could. The knowledge would assure that I was I would be successful, right? Like the knowledge alone of all the houses I've sold all almost all over Westchester and the Bronx, knowing the valuation in every street. I wasn't going to gamble with my money. You know what I mean? It, it's funny because, uh, you know, prior to me becoming an agent, people asked me, Louis, why don't you invest my money? Why don't you invest my money? And, and I would never invest anybody else's money if I, couldn't invest mine first, you know, mm -hmm. but it took me 10 years to be a hundred percent sure that my first deal was going to go right. And I respect a lot of the people that, you know, get, get in it part-time and, and get in it just because they're in the right place at the right time. But I couldn't gamble with my money. I worked too hard for it. You know what I mean? So I made sure that I knew almost everything so that it would be an educated investment. Sure. So would it be fair to say that the majority of your business is flipping? Well, now, now it is, uh, you know, it's funny that now that I'm flipping and I use agents to sell my houses or buy my houses, I've gone through the whole process of, you know, first being an agent, representing buyers, representing sellers, representing foreclosures, representing auctions, uh, REO properties, 
And now, like anybody that does business with me, I know more than they do a lot of times because I've done more transactions. Even little small things that I catch people saying to me because of the knowledge I've gone through, I can identify whether somebody's telling me the truth or some, sometimes bending the truth. Sometimes when people bend the truth, you might get in trouble. Absolutely. There's a lot of new people that get into real estate and, you know, they, they think it's easy. It's easy money and, 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 you know, it's easy to do. And, you know, maybe that's a misconception, but what would you say the most common misconceptions that you see from people that are starting out in real estate? What are some of those? I mean, I'll tell you, it starts with the human mind, right? Like most people are not learning based. And if they're not learning based, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of different businesses and I talk to a lot of people and there's just people that don't want to learn. And at 18, they think they know it all. Right. Mm-hmm. And when people ask me, I was like, I, I'm just starting to learn, right? I might have learned certain things in my past, but I'm just really beginning to learn, right? Which it might not make sense to a lot of people, but it makes sense to me because I got to keep myself humble and learning. And and a lot of times when, you know, like people see what they want to see and the biggest issue is valuation. If you haven't seen a hundred to 200 houses before you buy your first one, you might be choosing the wrong one. It's just valuation issue. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I have a, Somebody just offered me a house in Rockland yesterday and, and they said, that, you know, an agent told me that I could get $100,000 more than what I, what I think I could get. And I questioned me for like 45 minutes, right? I'm like, is this person telling me the truth? Am I doing my valuation wrong? Now, Rockland is not my uh, area of business. So like I'm looking to extend, so I, I'm a little more careful with it. But at the end of the day, I was right, right? And it was just that the other person spending the truth and perhaps is not seeing that they're seeing what they want to see because they're in the side of a, a, a an agent trying to sell a property. So obviously it's to them and their eyes might be worth a little more than what an investor might pay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned that learning, you know, people, people are, you know, they're not as eager to learn. And what would you say the best way for people to learn is? I, I think, I think mentorship is probably the most important thing. And that's why I like, you know, your group. Because, uh, you know, you get, you know, you get info from everybody in the group. But if you could have somebody, if you know somebody that's done it, uh, and as a matter of fact, because of your group, I'm mentoring like three, four kids uh, that are, you know, 18, 19 years old, and we're hitting the phones, and we're, I'm showing them the activities so that, you know, you create a path to learn. Most, most of us are not giving that though, right? So if you, if you can't find a mentor, then read books, right? Because they can be your mentors. I mean, read a lot of books. I, you know, I've read dozens and dozens of books, right? And I pick up something from a mentor that doesn't even know it's my mentor just because they wrote a book and I'm following, you know, their successes, their failures, right? Yeah. And when you're choosing a mentor, what would you say is the most important key things to look for as someone who's looking to find a mentor? First of all, you got to reach out to people and most people won't be willing to mentor anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to see, you got to search for somebody that it's actually looking, it's in their, the stage of their life that they want to give, right? And what their core values are and what their mission in life is. Because you can't mentor somebody if you don't want to help people, right? You can't mentor people if you don't have enough oxygen in your tank, right? Sure. Um, so it, it, it's a really complex question. It's just figuring out who's who which is the hardest part, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. people paint you, we live in New York, and people paint you a picture that they want to help you and at the end of the day, they want to use you, right? Mm-hmm. So 
it's where they want to get, get in life and what drives people, I guess, right? Sure. And as a mentor, how do you select people that you would like to mentor? What are some of the key characteristics you look for in an individual? So, so, so that's easy, right? That's an easy question for me. It might not be for some people, but all my life I've built teams, right? So in the process of building teams, you hire and fire people, right? In the process of hiring and firing people, you figure out what works and what doesn't work. Not because of one individual, just because of you're, you're hiring and firing multiple people, right? And there's one thing, you know, in, in my other business, which I coach agents and uh, coach entrepreneurs, it's the same thing. I could tell who's coachable and who's not coachable by now. Maybe 10 years ago, I had no clue. But you know who listens and you know who doesn't listen. If somebody is not coachable, if somebody already has an opinion, and opinions kill people, right? If somebody already thinks they know what they're doing, so they're not coachable, they're not going to listen to you. I have a so friend. I have a friend who says they have more pride than money. Right. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Breifel, if you're listening, that's a quote for, from him. He says that all the time. They've got more pride than money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and 100% makes sense. We're born like that. We think that we know more, right? And yeah. it's a challenge. And the only way that we can change ourselves is by educating ourselves. Either we have a mentor or we'll probably won't listen to in the beginning. I think the first thing is education and learning and reading books. And then you start realizing that what other people say does matter and that we don't know anything. And, and like your friend said, you know, like they have more pride than, than money, right? It's, it's for one simple reason, you know, people that are learning based, listen, right? They might not agree a hundred percent, but they listen, you know? Um, it's funny, Rochelle, that we're, we call call for, to look for deals. And a lot of times people are not listening to the responses of people. And that's why they're not connecting is because everybody has their own agenda and they think that their own agenda, including myself, when I was 17, I thought I was going to be a millionaire by 21, right? We all think that till reality hits you and smacks you in the face and you're like, oh my God, I'm still working, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So at this point, when you take on a individual as a mentor, what are some of the benefits that they get from working with you? the benefit that anybody would get with somebody that's experienced, right? And I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. I'm just one of the few guys that is willing to, you know, show the path to others because I believe that collectively we could build something much greater than I can individually, right? Even as talented as I might be or might not. You know, knowledge is, is power. And, you know, if you learn from other people's mistakes, you could shorten that learning curve, right? So I think we all, everybody that's mentoring you know, could give almost the exact same thing is just how they're going to give it and how unconditional, unconditional they're going to be, right? Like I want their success before I want my success. Uh, I, early on, I, I heard this, right? When you truly love somebody, you got to set them free, right? So I know that all the people I'm training might eventually leave and I'm okay with it, right? Because you're not doing it just for them. You're doing it because you're doing the right thing. And at the end of the day, when you do the right thing, yeah, some people will leave, but some people will stick, right? Sure. And, uh, you know, people don't leave you if you don't, if you do the right thing by them, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is your five-year plan? What are you looking to do in the next five years? I'm looking to build the biggest investment team in the New York metro area. I live in Yonkers. I'm in Westchester. And I've been doing Westchester real estate and investing for, uh, God knows, and investing for the last five years, real estate for the last 15 years. But I want to duplicate that. And I want to bring it to Queens, Long Island, Brooklyn, and other markets. And then hopefully if I have the right people, if you have, you know, like 
I, I love good to great because it talks about the right people having the right people in the bus, the right people go on, the wrong people got off. And when you find the right people and they sit in the right seat, they find their true destination, right? So that's what I'm looking to do and, and you know, and change as many people's lives as I can in the process, right? Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what's your big why? That, I mean, it's just change people's lives, you know? I mean, nobody, nobody set a path to me and I kind of, you know, I was talking to one of my, you know, employee partners nobody uh, showed me a path and I achieved this when you know I'm in my 40s I'm training one of the guys, the kids that you know that came through your group he's 19 I was like by the time you're 25 you might be doing better things than I have right and it doesn't really matter and he's in the kids like questions like well Lewis well what happens to you I was like I'll keep on living you keep on living by the time in 10 years I might not even want to work anymore you know what I mean <laughs> So, <laughs> right, that's the goal. Right, and, and it's like, it's not being selfish, you know. If somebody succeeds, and both people succeed, and somebody succeeds doesn't mean that I'm going to fail, right? So, sure. and when you, you know, build enough people, they become your like your family, you know? And they, yeah. change, people. they, they change people. Yeah. I had somebody ask me a question the other day, and I'm going to ask to you, and I thought it was an interesting sure. question. How do you view competition? There's no competition. I don't believe in competition. I mean, you're competing against yourself and being the better version, yeah. best version of you, right? That was exactly my response. I said, my response is the person who looks at me in the mirror every morning. That's, that's the competition. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you could get inspired by other people, right? And, yeah. and take that positive vibe from them. Uh, and, you know, I love having high level conversations like you and I have sometimes via chat mm -hmm. and that just fuels me. But at no point will I ever think of you, even if you got into the, investment world's competition because I would even think like maybe you and I could do bigger and better things by putting our talents together because right my strengths are your weaknesses and vice versa right right and I always say there's no competition there's collaboration absolutely, absolutely. yeah so that's um that's really cool I, I love that answer and that was also my response to to that individual I just said you know competition I, I believe that there's enough in the universe for everyone and no absolutely. one's path is the same and we all have different stories. We come from different backgrounds. We all have something different to bring to the table. And so the only person that you can compete with is yourself from the day before and the day before that. And you just get better and better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned a couple of times about reading. What's your favorite business book or real estate book? Uh, there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, I, I think Rich Dad Poor Dad is probably one of the key books to understanding, you know, the quadrants, you know, the yeah. more information you have, the, the better you Lewis, can you explain the quadrants for those people who have not read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, employee, right? Self-employed, business owner and investor, right? And there's variations of all, all you know, all of them. And, you know, employees, 99% of the world, self-employed people are people that are trying to, you know, working for themselves and, you know, they're their own boss, but, you know, the store doesn't, you know, if they close down, they, the store closes down. You know, business owners are business owners that, you know, employ people and investors are, you, they use the money they've made into making that money work and they could be business owners at the same time, right? But, you know, it gives you a clear path of where you should be and where you are, right? You know, I love books like that. I love books like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People because then you understand where you're at. You understand that you live in your own world and then, or your own paradigm and then there's a world and then somebody else lives in a different paradigm. You're not really living in reality. You're living in your paradigm, right? And the closer you get to the world, the real world is where you could be more effective. 
And then, you know, I love Good to Great, you know, my three favorite books because, you know, as I explained, Good to Great is it's a great book to lead a company and lead people and maybe 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell because, you know, those laws are really, really important laws to live by, right? And, and yeah. it's not only for business, it's in general. Mm-hmm. And how do you, you, how do you conduct yourself in general? And I, you know, I, you know, I, I tell people, listen, you know, you, you work to achieve certain financial success, but then you live, right. And you live more of the time, more than what you are working and being a good human being is more important than being a successful billionaire. Right. Yeah. Because money runs out and, you know, bad times go bad, then you could lose everything. But if you're a good human being and you live by certain laws, then, you know, your knowledge doesn't go away. You become humble. You could continue on even if you lose everything, right? Like I've been in situations where I had to start all over again, but my foundation was my foundation. So you just build it up again. You know what I mean? Right. You know, having those core values are so important because it puts you in alignment with the universe and the good things, you know, the positive things that, you know, can come into your business or into your investing world. You know, when you align yourself with values, good values, it also puts you in alignment with good opportunity and good individuals because we attract exactly what we are, not what we pretend to be. And I think that that's really important. You talked about earlier, you know, with um, mentoring and, and finding those people that, you know, some of them don't want to listen. And to me, I attribute that to not enough personal development because when you read these books that you just mentioned, um, it it's it's a soft way to tell you that hey, you got a lot of work to do on yourself, and it's it's an opportunity when you open yourself up to these books that tell you these things. You can you can analyze yourself and say, hey, like, am I doing this? Am I this person? And it helps you to kind of just reevaluate who you are so that you can be in alignment with opportunity. Because honestly, you know, it goes back to relationships. Like you're not going to build good relationships. If you're not a good person, you're going to end up doing transactions with people and you're going to be sorely disappointed, you know, when they don't turn out how you want. And it's because you're not doing the work on the inside to attract good people and good relationships into your life. Right. You know, it's funny that I, you just said something and I just picked up something. And, and it's funny when we talk at a high level, we start, you know, listening a little more and, and, and pick up things that perhaps we didn't, right? Yeah. It's funny you just said, and it totally relates to my coaching world, to my, you basically said that, you know, when we read, we start understanding what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason, you know, it's funny because I just clicked, right? When you read, nobody's telling you what you're doing right or doing wrong, right? right. But, when, but when somebody tells you, like your father, your mother, or a mentor, or a guy that's doing well, your boss, and they're telling, and they tell you something that you're doing something wrong. Our initial response is, "No, not me. I'm doing everything wrong. You're mm-hmm. the issue, right?" Mm-hmm. But when we're reading, we we can't talk back to people, right? Therefore, we we just listen, and we don't talk, right? Right. And it's funny that it just clicked because you know it just clicked because I talk to people, a lot of people about this this stuff. That's why a lot of times we get more by reading than sometimes being mentored by somebody because our, we put our own opinions and say, well, he's not doing it right. Well, I know that I know how the correct way of doing things. Like you talked about it being human nature to be more rebellious against, you know, when somebody comes up against your character flaws, you know, or your, your, the sore spots about you and maybe tells you like you need to change. And I've been, you know, in those situations in my throughout my life where, you know, I've allowed myself to be coached by people who have told me things that were tough you know, to hear. And I found that 
the more I worked on myself by reading and listening to content, personal development content, the easier it was to take instruction because I realized it was coming from a place of love, concern, and just wanting me to grow. So it was in my best interest. And I think that like, you have to be really open and, you know, just to kind of give an idea of um, when you look at like the law of harvest, right. And sowing and reaping and planting, you know, if the ground itself is not soft and fertile, then the seed you can plant in there, but it's not going to grow. It'll just blow away. And so it's really important that you do the work on the inside so that your mentor can put those seeds in you and they can actually grow. I mean, I think it's the responsibility of the individual being mentored to do the work on their personal development. Absolutely. You know, like I heard this a long time ago, like the teacher appears when the student's ready, right? Yeah. So, you know, like if a big CEO comes and talks to you and you're not ready, you're not going to listen, you know, but if maybe maybe 20 years later, you're ready and they appear, but they might not appear anymore. Right. right? So, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, just, I just, thought about is like you know most people don't understand you know I coach a lot of agents and salespeople and most people don't even understand the four stages of learning and I think that everybody that listens to this should look the four stages of learning because you'll probably understand where you're at and if you don't this will give you a guide of where you're at and where you need to be especially when it comes down to investments right Mm -hmm. I mean the four stages of learning work for everything but for investments, especially when you're going to put a lot of money down, you're going to spend three, four, five hundred thousand dollars investing in something. You need to know that you that, that you really know. You know what I mean? Is so, the four stages of learning a book that someone can pick up, or can you? No, it's. I mean, you could Google it, or you know, maybe I'll put it in my Facebook. Yeah, you know, it's it's four stages, and I'll go really quickly. Yeah. Conscious and competence, right? And conscious and competence is the first. It's basically, I don't know that I don't know. So, like, if you you know. If, if you're a real estate agent or an investor and you don't know that you don't know, you might do things thinking that you, that the outcome is going to be good. And all of a sudden you have bad results mm-hmm. or maybe you look out in the first time. Right. Right. It's like a kid, a kid, a kid, you know, like I have a seven year old, he jumps from one floor to another or steps and he, he doesn't know he's going to get hurt. He doesn't get hurt. The second yeah. stage is conscious and confidence. That's when you know that you don't know. And it's a dangerous stage because you start doubting yourself. Right. And you start thinking, oh, well, this person knows more than me. So if they know more than person more than me. Maybe I, I should learn more in order to be as like them. And you start doubting yourself. Right. Mm. The third is conscious, competent is the stages. I know that I know. So, you know, I know that I know what I'm doing. So you kind of start getting confident and you might make a mistake. Your opinion is worth more than anybody else's. So you don't weigh everybody else's opinion and you do things in you know autopilot. You don't even think about it. Right. Mm. But the mastery stage, the fourth stage is the best stage, right? It's in conscience and confidence. It's when you don't know that you know, and you're actually doing things like a baseball player, hitting hitting the ball without even thinking. Once we understand these four stages of learning and where, and where we're at, we'll know exactly what we need to do to get better. And we'll know who do we have to reach out to fill that void That's of great. learning. I've I've actually never heard about the four stages of learning, so I learned uh, I learned that today. That's uh, oh, cool, very cool, valuable. Cool. Thank you. We're done. I'll put it on my um, on my Facebook and my Instagram. So anybody that's following in your group, I'll put it too. Sure, sure. Well, how can people get in touch with you, Lewis? Facebook's probably the easiest way. Lewis Fernandez. Yeah. Realtor. I don't I don't remember to be honest. With you. <laughs> but I'll post it in your group. I mean, you'll, I'm sure you'll post it in my group, and people can follow me from there on Instagram. I'm uh, uh, Lucho, L-U-C-H-O, 975. 
and through your group, I mean, I'm sure people could contact you. Sure. Well, thank you so much. Um, so many pearls of wisdom today. And oh, thank you um, so much. Thank you. Appreciate you very much, and you know all your contributions to our group. And I always feel inspired by talking to you. And our morning chats um, get me fired up as well. So thank you for oh, being thank you. Thank, thank you for being you. Yes. Yes. Well, reach out to Lewis. Um, if you're listening, reach out to him. If you're looking for mentorship, you're looking to get into flipping or you're an agent, reach out and he will point you in the right direction. Thank you so much. Thank you. Rochelle. You've been listening to what's the deal with Rochelle Rayner. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to tell a friend, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio or wherever you're listening right now. You can follow Rochelle on Instagram at Invest with Rochelle. Until next time, keep investing.